With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on Stick to Football, we break down the group of five. We break down Notre Dame and none of the other independents. We get into your draft on draft questions, but Mello, first and foremost, football is officially back tonight as we're recording Thursday night. There are like 10 preseason games. There are a lot of games. There's a lot of games tonight, so we got to get out of here to watch them. But there was also some happenings today in the NFL. Duke Johnson, the saga is over, traded to the Houston Texans for a conditional pick that will essentially be a third rounder. Yeah, and I like this move. It was something that we had already talked about. Maybe them targeting Melvin Gordon. I'm sure the price was just a little bit too high for uh, their coach, Bill O'Brien, who is actually acting as their GM right now. But I like that they bring in another running back to compete with Lamar Miller. Obviously, Duke Johnson is very good catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't know. We haven't really got to see him take a whole lot of carries, it seems like. He's been hurt. Right, but I'm glad that both teams kind of get to move on, and I think both teams get what they want out of this situation. Yeah, I think so too. I'm excited about Duke Johnson because he fits very well in this offense. The thing is, you have a guy who's really had chronic hamstring injuries. I know he hasn't missed games, but if you look at how many carries he's had, uh, he's just not been an impact. I think some of that he got in the doghouse in Cleveland, but also, huh, no pun intended, but also, he's just been banged up, and it's hard to get on the field and be an impact player when that happens. So I look at Duke Johnson. Uh, I think he will have a much better role in Houston where they're in the shotgun all mm-hmm. the time. Deshaun Watson is a little bit of a mobile threat at the quarterback position, and you've got a great receiver in DeAndre Hopkins keeping safeties honest. I'm really waiting for them to get Trent Williams. Like This just seems like a perfect fit. I know it's like, oh, they were going to make a trade. They are going to make a trade. I, they might actually just roll with these young guys. They, I mean, my boy, Titus Howard, is looking pretty damn good in camp. Julian Davenport? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I really thought, I mean, Trent Williams even came out. It's like, I'm not playing for the Redskins. I think that bumps that cost down a little bit. If I'm the Texans and I can give up like a fourth and a fifth or, you know, package something, because they're probably going to end up giving up this third for Johnson. But I would be packaging something because I tell you, if the Texans don't win this year, they're going to have a new coach next year because they're already going to have a new GM. And that GM is going to pick his own coach if they don't have a very good, successful season. I know they won the division last year, but I mean, they're really going to have to to do like exactly the same thing, maybe even win a couple playoff games, I think, for O'Brien to keep his job. Unless they hire Nick Casario. Then it's just, okay, well, you Bill can stay. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I think for the Browns, this there had been some rumblings that, oh, they weren't that happy with Kareem Hunt. Bullshit. They're fine. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that's your running back you want to do. Yep. It also says to me that they're really happy with Nick Chubb, which and they should be. They I mean, should be. He's a very talented running back. You do run the risk now in the first eight weeks. What if something happens, though, to Nick Chubb? Yeah, uh, your depth is not that great, guys. Yeah, and that's the whole reason why they wanted to hang on to Duke Johnson. And I don't know if there are any reports out there of them saying otherwise, but they wanted to keep Duke Johnson. 
They they wanted him on roster. They did not want to trade him. Uh, and it is going to be weird because Chubb is not a guy who's been the number one running back in any offense he's ever been in. I don't know what he did in high school, but in his yeah. time at Georgia, they had a stable of running backs. Obviously, we all were familiar with it. What's and, a group of dogs called? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, yeah, a herd. like a school of dogs. Right. A herd of what dogs. It, it should be called know. like a gang. A gang of dogs. They had a gang of dogs at Georgia that ran the ball for him. And I want to see what his durability is going to be like for those first eight games because that offense is going to need a good running back. I think they have one with Nick Chubb. I'm so stupid. It's a pack. That's too simple. <laughs> oh, why am I this way? They're they're descended from wolves, which I would have told you is a pack. A group of dogs, a pack. So they had a pack of running backs at, at Georgia. Yes, they did. And so we'll see what happens with Nick Chubb. Uh, I think he can get the job done. I would be a little bit leery. Maybe try to bring in another running back or see who they if they're happy with whoever that third guy is right now. I apologize. It's been a day, and my brain is just, whew, it's going to be a weird show. Buckle up. Here's why. Because this morning at 9.20, I almost opened a beer. 9.20 Central Time. Because Nick Bosa left practice on Wednesday with uh, what they called a foot injury. That comes out today, guess what? Worse than expected, he has a high ankle sprain. So does Jason Verrett. And oh wait, D Ford's got tendonitis in his knee and can't practice. Why can't we have nice things as 49er fans? What did we fucking do to the football gods other than dominate the 80s and 90s and now everyone hates us? It's like a radio station. I'm looking for it. Like dominated a curse. the like, 80s, 90s, now. What happened with the 49ers? Because I tweeted this out, out Wednesday too. It's like, oh, Nick Chubb, they say he has a lower body injury or whatever. And I'm, I say, oh, Nick Bosa, he's probably not hurt, but I was kind of poking fun at your 49er fans. I actually didn't think that he was going to miss time over it. I thought it was just one of those camp things where, oh, we're going to sit him out for the rest of practice. No big deal. Now the dude's not even going to play in the preseason. And this is a guy that has already been very, very injured so far in his career. He did not uh, play much at Ohio State. Now he's already, this is... I don't know if you could actually say his second injury in the NFL, but I mean, he came in with a hernia problem. Now he has the high ankle sprain. That's not a good look. Here, here's my thing, and I don't, I don't know the actual answer to this, but I know it doesn't look good for the Niners medical staff that the Chiefs were able to manage D Ford and get him on the field. You signed D Ford for games, not for practices. It seems to me. Like the Niners medical staff maybe needs to do a better job of understanding preventative care. Hey, this guy has a knee that has been a problem. Maybe we don't need him out there practicing. And I know a Bosa, there, there's no history of high ankle sprains, but you're right, Melo. He had an ACL in high school. He had a core muscle injury last year. So two key injuries in four years. Now he's got a high ankle sprain. I think you have to be leery with players who have an injury history. It's football guys are going to get banked up. But when you have an injury history, this is a little concerning. And I'll say this. If Bosa is a little slow, Solomon Thomas better get his shit together, like on the field together and become the player that he was supposed to be when he was the number three pick in the draft. I understand how hard it is to suddenly lose someone. We lost our best friend who was fine one morning and he was dead that night. It was terrible. It took me a long time to get over that. And I'm not expect I'm not saying Salma Thomas should just be fine now, but they need him to be a player because they drafted him highly and now they've drafted and signed a guy to replace him and they're both hurt. So he better step up. Yeah, while you were on that rant, I think I figured out what's going on in San Francisco. It's when they let Jerry Rice go. This is the curse of Colin Kaepernick. Oh. You're going to try to fuck over a guy 
Now you're cursed. You got some bad juju on your team, San Francisco, and I'm going to make this a thing. This is the curse of Colin Kaepernick. I don't know if the 49ers are ever going to find success again. It might be 100 years before you guys find a Super Bowl victory again. What did the Red Sox have to do to exercise those demons? Uh, You better call up Theo Epstein. (laughs) (laughs) He needs to be your new GM. Uh, Well, thanks for pointing that out. I, I had other things planned to say, but I'm just too depressed to go on. So let's break down... Uh, the Mac. We're excited now. The Curse of Cap apparently is the thing. Hashtag it, Mello, before somebody takes it. Mello, today we're not going to go through every group of five conference and break those teams down, but we are going to go at least conference by conference and give you our winners for those. We're going to break down Heisman, hopefuls. We're still going to give you defense for Heisman and run through some draft prospects and breakout players. But uh, let's start with the American Conference. This is, uh, I I think, a quietly maybe a little bit underrated conference there's some good talent here um we see that now with guys like dana holgerson goes to houston what will that program look like with Derek king at quarterback i think he has to be considered first team all conference at least when you look at the preseason cincinnati and there, there's some really well coached teams here and i haven't even mentioned ucf yet. i was gonna say you better mention those national champs oh don't get me started on that shit. ucf knights over there play someone and you can talk. That is a big issue with them. I mean, do we need to talk about their schedule this year? You went 12-1 last year. Stanford's going to... This is a bad Stanford team. They're going to beat them by 20. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm a believer in what they're doing there. I know that they don't have the conference schedule like a lot of other people do. And their non-conference isn't like great either. I think that there's there's some actual talent here. I think they're developing you like their Wimbush building quarterback. Uh, I like Dariel Mack at quarterback, and I think the young sophomore can win that job. Well, I am not going to take UCF. I'm not going to take Houston. I'm going to take my guy Luke Fickle and the Cincinnati Bearcats, not a basketball school anymore. I like Luke Fickle a lot. I think they come out week one. uh, They play a Thursday nighter. I guess technically it's week two against UCLA. I think they slap UCLA and Chip Kelly right in the mouth and get, they start the year one and oh, but I I really do. I like Cincinnati. They bring back seven starters on offense, seven on defense. Luke Fickle is just a good head coach. And I really believe in what he's going to be able to do in terms of recruiting. Um, They bring back a ton in that backfield, uh, especially with Michael Warren coming back as the leading rusher. He had over 1,300 net yards last year. So this is a talented team in a very good conference, the American is, but I like the Bearcats. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say a very good conference, Uh, but maybe... I like it. I think they're the sixth toughest conference if you're looking at it when you have like the Mac and the Sun. Well, I like the Sun Belt too. But I am going to go defending champs here. UCF, I do really like what they're doing and I do really like their roster. They're returning a lot of guys. Um, obviously, Mackenzie Melton is a guy that I would love to see play. He's going to be out this year. I just hope we get to see him play again eventually with that horrendous injury that he suffered from. But I already talked about it. Mac came in as a freshman last year and looked pretty damn good during his time playing there. So I really like him. And they also bring in Brandon Wimbush to kind of compete for that job. And I don't know if it's Wimbush's yet. I, I really think that's a, a true quarterback competition that they have. Right. We, we heard about Brandon Wimbush all last summer. Exactly. And then he loses his job. Ian Book. Yeah, I couldn't so, beat out Ian Book, who I'm not a big Wayne fan Bush of. Wayne Bush just can't throw the ball, and I think Heupel's going to want to throw the ball too much. 
I think in this offense, it does fit Wimbush a lot better than what it did at Notre Dame because they are going to spread the field out. But they also bring back the returning receiver and rushers. They got, they've got two running backs that are pretty good in McCray and Killens. They were very, very quick guys that work in that offense uh, that Scott Frost kind of started and built on. They still have a lot of those guys left over. So I think it's theirs to win. I, I do think that... They are going to struggle against Stanford. That's a good team year in, year out. We already talked about it last episode with Connor. They replace a lot of guys, but that's what Stanford's very good at. They are one of those programs that can come in and lose nine starters, but replace very well. That's going to be a good game. It's September 14th. They go to Stanford. That is one hell of a flight over there. I don't know if that's a neutral site game, but that's that's going to be a tough game. That is their one true test this year when they look at their non-conference and then, it, I mean, they do have Pittsburgh on the schedule as well. That's a team we didn't talk about. But I like UCF. I like what they're building. I do wish that we didn't see them have to play Florida A&M and Florida Atlantic. I would like to see them play some tougher teams, some of these ACC teams, maybe you know an SEC team. But this is what we have this year. Uh, we'll get to see them against Stanford. I think they're going to have a good season. I think they've run away with the American Conference. Let's get some action going here, man. And we actually agree on this one, which surprised me a little bit. But I think Ohio, they're so well coached. And they also have quarterback Nathan Rourke, who's probably the best quarterback in the conference. But Frank Solich, um, we all remember him from the Nebraska years. But this is a good head coach. He's good at this level, especially they bring back only four guys on offense from a 9-4 and four record last year, but I don't think the schedule for them is that difficult. MAC games are always a little crazy, right? You're going to be playing late on a Thursday night, but they have, I, I think, the best talent coming back of any team in this conference that you said you like a decent amount. Yeah, I, I do, and you look at their conference, their toughest road game non-conference-wise, they play Pitt as well. What is, what is Pitt doing scheduling all these teams like UCF They don't want to fly anywhere. So it's I like, guess. But I do know. think you're right because they do have Rourke at quarterback, who was actually pretty damn good last year. They bring back a lot of guys on their defense. I, I know that our buddy BTTO Brandon Olson is going to be pissed that we're not talking about Toledo, but I really like Ohio over Toledo. I think that Toledo lost some of those receivers. They do bring back a lot on offense. They lose some defensive guys, so I'm going to agree with you, Matt. I'm going Ohio. Yeah, I, I just think... I don't know. I don't think Toledo or anyone else like that is going to come up and surprise us. And you know, that's what makes football fun. I guess things like that can always happen. Uh, let's move on to the Sun Belt. I think this is all about one team, and it's all about one player. My man, Zach Thomas, at App State. And I know they've got a new head coach coming in, uh, Elia Drinkwitz, which is like, that should be my name. <laughs> that doesn't even sound like a real name. It's I I just double checked, but they went eleven and two last year. Again, that new head coach, but they returned ten starters on offense, including the best quarterback in the entire conference. Um, so I I'm a firm believer in Thomas. I'm a big believer in App State. It's a tough place to play. They have a ton of tradition there. It's a pedigree, really. Uh, when it you look really at the Sun is. Belt. I don't think this is a team that's going to stick in the Sun Belt for very long. I think that you can already kind of feel the tension with another conference shakeup coming. And App State, with what they've done, they've already have a history. I know that they beat Michigan like 12 years ago. Doesn't matter. We all remember it. Yeah, it sticks in your memory. And they've built a pretty damn good program there. Zach Thomas, I think, is the best quarterback in this conference. They return a running back who had 1,100 yards last year in Evans. He's only a junior. They return the receivers. This is a very deep group. And I like their chances this year, too, looking at their schedule. Uh, their toughest game against a Power 5 would probably be at North Carolina. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
I think they win that game. I think they can beat North Carolina. They also play at South Carolina. So not just taking the UCF method and kind of scheduling some weaker opponents, but I, I really like App State. I think they have the best quarterback, running back, and probably receivers in this entire they conference. They might have the two best running backs. Yeah. I, I mean, their backfield is loaded. Here. It really is. So I, I'm... Of all the teams we're going to talk about today, other than Notre Dame, I would take App State. And I do like the Sun Belt. I think that it gets a lot of shit for being the Sun Belt, not being a very good conference. But it's up there. They're they're producing some talent and they're getting some things going. Georgia Southern has some players that I'm going to talk about later. Troy, I know they lost their head coach, but they had things rolling there. Uh, this is a, a better conference than what you think it is. I think so, too. How about the Mountain West? Uh, probably another one that is better than you think. Now, another one. Another one. The best player in the Mountain West is Jordan Love at Utah State. The best team in the Mountain West is Boise State. And it will be as long as Brian Harson's there and that turf is blue. They have a very good offensive line coming back. They have a couple pass rushers. Uh, this this team's just good. I mean, they will be breaking in a new quarterback, but I think that Brian Harson is the the guy for that job to break in a new quarterback. Um, this one might, uh, you know, there might be a little bit more upside there. They open against Florida State, though, in Jacksonville. So neutral site game. That's going to be a tough one. This schedule is not that easy because they have Florida State Air Force, they have BYU, they have Utah State, and they have Colorado State. Like, this is just, it's not an easy schedule for Boise, so I could see them dip a little bit, but they're the most talented team in the conference. And a lot of those games are on the road, too, and it's not going to be tough. It's not going to be easy to go into some of these places. Can I tell you a story before you tell me who you think is going to win? Sure. I have the hardest time watching Boise players. I almost have to watch them exclusively on the road. Let me tell you, that is not a colorblind thing. I hate watching Boise players. And I agree with you. I will find games that they play on the road. It's so hard to find a safety when everything is blue. Or trying to watch an edge rusher and everything is blue from their head to their toe and even their turf. It's impossible to watch Boise. It gives, I get a headache watching it. There are some schools out there. I think it's Eastern Washington that does like a red turf. And I think Ohio does the gray turf. But at least their uniforms are different colors. It's not everything's the same color. And it Florida really State throws me off. has a jersey and I can't read the numbers on it. That I had that problem this week with Oregon. I was trying to watch Troy die at Oregon, and sometimes his jersey would get folded up, and I couldn't read his number, and I couldn't find his name because they do this weird bar across the back yes. where it's a yellow bar, Louisville and then the name is green as well. It, it was you know very what I tough. do when that happens? Say fuck it and move on? No, what I actually do is I look for like equipment. Oh, and yeah, that's the tough that. time. Yeah, like I was watching the Oregon and Stanford game because I wanted to watch Adebo and I wanted to watch the Oregon offensive line. And I was able to find Adebo by what he was wearing, like a leg sleeve or something. They'll, something you can key on and find guys. Sometimes you can get lucky enough. You'll get on YouTube or something and the guys will cut it up and they'll highlight the player with like a circle or something before the play starts. But if you don't, if you're not watching it on yeah. YouTube, look for something that they're wearing. That's it's the key. Look for easy. a towel, look for cleats, a brace. Yeah, especially if you're trying to watch a guy like Isaiah Simmons and you have no idea where he's going to line up. It could be one of like four positions. So yeah, that is key. Back to what we were talking about, which is Boise State. I agree with you. I think that they are breaking in a young quarterback who only threw the ball nine times last year. But I think that when you're returning five offensive linemen, that's going to be a little bit easier to do. They do lose a lot, but I still think that Boise is going to run away with this conference. 
probably for the foreseeable future. They've just they've been a powerhouse in the Mountain West since they came into the Mountain West. They were dominating the WAC, and now they're dominating the Mountain West Conference. I, I just I'm not sold on this Utah State team. They lose their head coach. I was not that impressed with Jordan Love. I know a lot of other people on Twitter have been. I just didn't see it. I like him as a college quarterback. Yeah. Oh, I will agree with that statement 100%. Yeah, yeah. good college quarterback. All right, Conference USA is all about the FAU. I think Lane Kiffin gets this team rolling. It's really not all about them. They went 5-7 and seven last year. But I do think they win the conference this year. Um, he is bringing back... Hopefully, we see DeAndre Francois actually become a viable quarterback prospect, bringing back Willie Wright and John Mitchell at wide receiver. Uh, they bring back a good amount of the offensive line and then six starters on defense. So uh, there is some talent there. Kevin McCrary is a D lineman we'll probably look at as a senior bowl type player uh, when it comes to draft prospects. But um, you were just talking about Mason Fine. I, I Man, I look at – I don't wait, why did I bring that up? Because my, my brain's jumping around. Sorry. Because you want me to talk about North Texas? I guess so, yeah. So, FAU. That's why I'm picking to win the Conference USA. And I'm going with North Texas. Thank you. Uh, I love Mason Fine. You You are. You just got lost in the middle of it. They don't have much of a defense. They've got some guys returning. Uh, I'm chalking it up to five starters returning. But it really doesn't matter. This is an offense right here that's going to put up numbers against almost everybody. Mason Fine, even though he is an undersized quarterback, if we're not talking about him as a draft prospect, he's going to dominate in this conference. He's going to be uh, one of our Heisman guys that we highlight here in a little bit. They've got a returning running back. They've got some receivers. Uh, Rico Bussey Jr., I think that he could actually be a prospect that we need to keep an eye on. He's a senior. Maybe he's one of those guys that we can get at the Senior Bowl, get a good, solid look against some good competition. Mason Fine maybe could get into that Senior Bowl talk. I mean, he would have to have a big year, but he's definitely capable of it. These guys put up almost 35 points last year a game. That was good for 26th in the nation, best in the um, best in the Conference USA. So this is going to be another good offense led by a good senior quarterback. This is where I always want to be like, Mason finds so small. He but is the but last two number one picks in the draft. I know. Small. I struggle with that, with guys like Derek King and Mason Fine. That's a lot of people want to talk about them, and I hesitate because I'm like, they're probably both five foot eight. History but. tells us that doesn't fucking matter anymore. As long as you can throw the football, you can get drafted number one overall. The the scouting classes I do for charity, I was doing one the other night, and we were talking about quarterbacks, and I was like, you know, it used to be. Your job was easier, because I could go through thresholds and, and eliminate exactly. a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Is he six foot, 200 pounds? Because that used to matter. Six now it doesn't. two used to be. You yeah. know, if you weren't six two, I really didn't have to pay that close attention. All right, how about Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, they get their own segment because they're the Fighting Irish. And if they're good, they're an automatic bid, basically. Yeah, because playoffs. let's be honest, you probably didn't come here to hear us talk about uh the Sunbelt Conference. You're probably here because the group of five, we included Notre Dame here. So we are going to do record predictions and kind of talk about the Fighting Irish. So I have them at nine and three, Mello, and I think that they I think they come out hot. I think they beat Louisville Labor Day Monday. I think they lose at Georgia, though. I think they lose at Michigan, and I can see them dropping at Stanford. Those three games on the road are going to be very, very tough for Notre Dame. Um, this is a good team last year, 12-1. and They way outperformed my expectations. A lot of dudes are gone, though. Jerry Tillery's gone. That was a big part of their defense. Julian the, Love. Julian Love's gone. The, the, the receiver that you liked so much. What the, yeah, what Boykin. Is Boykin Miles is Boykin. gone. One of the best receivers yeah. in the league last year. I mean, year. so they're, re- they're replacing a lot of guys. Their backfield, Damian Williams is gone. So 
I, I just don't know. I, I know they are bringing back seven starters, so the offensive line is going to be you know good. There's going to be continuity. Yep. Tommy Kramer's good, but I, I I don't know that they can compete with their schedule this year. It is a tough schedule, and there's been knocks on Notre Dame before of oh they don't schedule anybody. But I think you're right. I uh, I think they beat Louisville their first game. I think they beat New Mexico at Georgia. There are not very many teams in the country that can win at Georgia. So if Notre Dame is even competitive, that'll give us a really good look at what we have with this Fighting Irish team. I think they do lose that game. Um, the Virginia game the next week on September 28th, that could be almost like a trap game. Like if we lose to Georgia, then, oh, shit, we're disappointed. We're not going to take Virginia as seriously. That's a pretty damn good football team there. And I think they definitely going into the big house is tough. That's going to be another one. Their three toughest games are all on the road. I have them going 10-2 and two, uh, and losing to Georgia and Michigan. I think they have enough to beat Stanford. I think by the end of the year, uh, they're going to have to make another late push to solidify themselves if they want to get into the playoff, if, that, if that's still a possibility. But I have them going 10-2. and two. I like this Irish team. They, they do bring back a lot of starters, and they replace a lot of their starters, much like we've talked about before, with good veteran guys with experience. So it's not just, oh, Oh, shit, we lost the guy. We got to bring in a freshman. They've got some guys waiting. They've done a good job of recruiting in the past. So I think the Irish have another pretty damn good year. You know, you get it on every show. You come for it. You love it. So we're going to give it to you. Heisman hopefuls from the group of five plus the independent conferences, uh, independent conferences, teams. If they were conferences, they wouldn't be conference. independent. Yeah, my my head's just not working like it should today. No, it's, it's really not. not yeah. But it's okay, because I'm it's here fun. to pick you up. All right. I got it. Let's look at Heisman hopefuls. I'm going to go with my dude Jordan Love, a junior quarterback for Utah State. Uh, big, 6'4", 220, prototypical. I think we will talk about him as a draft prospect. But last year, threw for over 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, just six picks. This year, uh, third year in the offense, third year as a starter. I think we're going to see him really blow up as a as a player in college football and maybe even as a prospect a little bit have you watched him much as a prospect i have watched three games i bet i i don't even know if i've watched that many i know there was a time you're on vacation and everybody was talking about him on twitter and i was just like fuck it i'm gonna watch it let's see what all the hype is about i really think that i agree with you if we're picking heisman hopefuls he probably would have been my first pick I don't see it as a pro quarterback. I think that he uh, was a product of his offense, which is now moving on short Texas Tech. A lot of screen throws, a lot of wide open reads that he probably didn't have to make. So we'll see. I'm interested to watch him this year. Sorry. I know that his completion percentage jumped 10 points in a year. That's that just doesn't happen. Like that's the system. Usually you don't get that much more accurate, but I mean, we'll see. I don't want to hate on the guy. He's very athletic. As well, yeah, I mean, there's a he's kind of Daniel Jonesy. Yeah, I think right. That's, yeah, that's probably <laughs> right. it. because Daniel Jones doesn't get recognized for being the athlete that he yeah, is. He was, and he was banged up at Duke in, in his last year, so he didn't have to show that athleticism quite as much. So I agree with that comp. I'm going to go with the guy I already talked about, Mason Fine at North Texas. I think this little bitty guy can put up big numbers, <laughs> uh, much like what we've seen other guys do before. And if I'm choosing somebody from the independent and this group of five guys, uh, I think Mason Fine has a good body of work that we've already seen before. So I'm going to take him as my Heisman hopeful. How about some hashtag baby defense for Heisman? Uh, we talked about Jerry Tillery being gone at Notre Dame. My defense for Heisman, Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. Uh, he'll be a senior. So it's always difficult with Notre Dame. Notre I think Dame he's technically a junior 
But he's probably going to come out. Academically a senior. Last year he had ten and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks. I think he breaks out of the shadow a little bit this year. He's more of like a prototypical edge rusher. 6'4", mm-hmm. 260 pounds. I'm excited to see him become the dude on that D-line this year. Yeah, with Tillery gone, it's got to be somebody. I do agree with you. I think he steps up and takes that role. And it does piss me off that these schools list these guys. Like, if you redshirt your freshman year, just list them as a redshirt. Don't confuse me by putting them as a senior when they have one more year of the eligibility. Thing. I remember talking to Ronnie Stanley and being like, you declaring for the draft? And he was like, do I need to? I was like, well... Technically, you have a year eligibility. He's like, but I'm graduating. I was like, fuck it. I don't know. Maybe you should just to be safe. Or like these Michigan guys, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Stanford. Like, who do you think you are? Get off your high horse. I get it. You guys are smart, but figure out this red shirt. But you're not that smart. Yeah. And my defense for Heisman, and I would like to see our listeners go ahead and post that loyalty. Go ahead and use that hashtag, Defense for Heisman. Tell us who your guy is going into the season, because there's too many of you sitting behind a keyboard who are going to be like, oh, that was my guy all along. Oh, yeah, I want to see it now. I want to see it preseason. Preseason. I, I put out my number one guys at each position, and I'll tell you, people have been roasting me You're on all the Twitter.com. Yeah, but I'm sorry that they're good at football. So, right. Sorry, uh, not sorry. If you want to cr- criticize what we do, that's fine. But you got to give me your answers, too. So go ahead and put out your defense for Heisman. Mine, I'm going with the safety from Notre Dame, uh, Gilman, Gilliam. I lost his name, too. Uh, Gilman, he's a transfer from one of the academies. Great tackler. I think he's going to be an in-the-box safety. If he can do any kind of ball production at all, he's going to be in the spotlight at Notre Dame. Great Safety, he's going to be a pro prospect. Uh, depending on his eligibility, he could come He'll back for senior. next year. Yeah, I want to see how he runs. I do too, because he looks almost like a linebacker out there playing. I want to see him in coverage. I know he can do it against the run. If he can do anything at all in coverage, I think he has a real shot at being one of the best defenders out of this group of five. Notre Dame safety groups going to be pretty good, honestly. Yeah, uh, Elliot is another safety yeah. that they have. Alohi yeah. Gilman was your boy. Uh, uh, how about breakout players? I promise I'm not just picking Notre Dame guys, but it's hard to like find a breakout you know, that's not one of the obvious ones. And I almost went running back Jafar Armstrong because he'll probably be the lead guy this year, so look for that's him a to, good pick. as a sophomore. But, oh, I just saw the rundown. That's who you picked. <laughs> okay, I went Chase Claypool, the receiver from Notre Dame. Because Boykin is gone, they're going to need a big target for Ian Book, who's not that accurate. Uh, Claypool is that. He's 6'4", 230. Last mm-hmm. year he had 50 catches, 639 yards, four TDs. I, I think he gets closer to that 70 catch mark as long as we see the passing game be what it was last year. Yeah, and with all these guys growing and developing, I, I think they will. And I am going to take Jafar Armstrong. I really like his game. He was the starter there for a little bit uh, before Williams came back from suspension, and I liked what he did in that offense. I guy rushed for seven touchdowns last year, and I really like his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that he's going to take a big step forward this year. I think this is a thousand yard back. I think that they're going to get him involved enough. I know that they also have Tony Jones coming back, but I think Jafar Armstrong is going to be far and away that number one running back that gets a lot of touches, a lot of handoffs out of the backfield, and he's also going to catch a lot of balls too. That's a very good prospect to watch. He's still a young guy, but I think that we're going to see him shine this year. So go ahead and get in on him early. Yeah. Uh, let's look at draft prospects. It's just me and you tonight uh, since Connor's out. So I'm going to take offense. You're going to kind of take defense here. Um, and th- listen, there are a lot of schools here. So apologies in advance if we miss someone. It is not intentional. If you have a question about a player, just tweet it at us. I'll let you know if, oh, hey, sorry, I skipped that name on my notes or 
oh, hey, I don't think he's any good. I'll be honest with you guys about what's going on here. So for quarterbacks, obviously Jordan Love is the big one um, at Utah State. We talked about him a lot so far today. We'll be watching him closely. Zach Thomas at App State is very undersized. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. He's also a redshirt junior, so I don't think we'll be talking about him a lot. Same with Ian Book, six foot, 200 pounds, redshirt junior. Probably not quite time to talk about him. Uh, Brady White at Memphis, a redshirt junior. So guys who maybe, you know, with a really good year could pop out. I do think Mason Fine is undersized, but we've seen that happen before. So we'll withhold judgment until later in the season. Those are really the guys. I do not believe that Blake Barnett is ever going to become what we've all been told for seven years now that Blake Barnett was supposed to be. But there is some natural talent there that you have to talk about. You've talked about two guys so far, and all I can think about when I hear about Blake Barnett and Brady White is that those two guys are in the same recruiting class as Rosen and Darnold. Yeah. They all came up together. That was one of like the best Elite 11 camps that they ever did. And all four of those guys were together. Two of them still playing college ball. I don't know how the hell Brady White is junior eligible, but he is. <laughs> I, I know he transferred and he missed a year for an yeah. injury, but good luck to them both. I, I want to see them do well, but I don't, I don't think that they're up there quite yet. At running back, Cincinnati has Michael Warren. He's a good-sized dude, 5'11", 220. I think he's worthy of watching. Uh, UAB has Spencer Brown, another junior who has very good size. Memphis has Patrick Taylor. But, you know, there's not a lot of great running backs. Jordan Cronkite at USF. I will see Charlie Strong get him. The Rock a decent amount. Wide receiver, uh, I think it's Chase Claypool at Notre Dame is the big one. After that, North Texas has, you mentioned Rico Bussey Jr. There's some talent there. Corey Sutton at App State is a redshirt junior who will probably keep a pretty close eye on. And Memphis has DeMonte Coxie. I'm not going to get into guys that would be ranked in the 50s because it's it's summer still. Uh, at tight end, though, here's one I really like. Matt Bushman from BYU is maybe a top five player at his position. Oh, so. I have not done any work there you on go. him. A name for yet. you to know, Mello. Matt Bushman uh, at tight end for BYU. And then glossing over the O-line here, Keith Ismail from San Diego State at center is definitely someone that we'll be keeping an eye on uh, as a top-tier prospect. Ezra Cleveland, a tackle from Boise State. Liam Eichenberg, a tackle from Notre Dame. Those are the top two guys um, coming out of the group of five and then the Indies. Uh, and then when it comes to the... Guard play, I think Cole Schneider at UCF is really the top one. Aaron Banks and Tommy Kramer at Notre Dame are, are draftable prospects as well. Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot. I'm awake now. I'm back. Welcome. Uh, I have the defense, and I'm not going to go quite as in-depth as you did, Matt. I think, obviously, Notre Dame has a lot of guys on this defense. They have two edge rushers. We already talked about Kareem. Okawara is the other one. They, He's been there forever. Right? It seems like all of them have. Troy Pride at corner could be another guy, and then there are two safeties with Gilman and Elliott. They're all returning starters, and they're all guys that I think we're going to have to keep an eye on because they do look like uh, kind of top prospects, I guess you would say. I have all of those guys on my big board and my big board is not very deep right now it's not um, very big <laughs> it's not it's in my small board right now it's 185 players that's pretty big. and all of those guys are on there so i mean i think that speaks volumes to what they're doing at notre dame they have defensive players year in and year out other notable guys that are on my small board that i have from this group of five david woodward from utah state put up crazy good numbers last year i have not watched any tape of him yet I think I maybe saw him a little bit when I was looking at Jordan Love but I really haven't dove into him yet but he's a guy on my radar that I'm going to be watching and I want to see what he can do Kendall Vildor the corner out of Georgia Southern 
is on my board. He is on my radar. I really like his game. He's a little bit undersized right now, or at least he was when he weighed in last year at Georgia Southern. He came in at about 180 pounds, six foot tall. I like him. I think he's a guy we can see at the Senior Bowl. At Boise State, the edge rusher, Curtis Weaver, looks a lot like some of the other guys we've seen come out of Boise State, and I believe he's only a junior eligible guy, but I, I like him off the edge, about 6'2", 265, probably going to play with his hand in the dirt, but that's I think that's a value that's coming back. Guys that just don't stand up and rush, but guys that can also put their hand in the dirt. And the last one, I'm going to go with safety, Richie Grant out of UCF. Got to mention my guys from UCF, and I think he's a good safety that can develop uh, and play a little bit on the run and a little bit back in coverage as well. I like UCF, so I had to mention one of their guys. It is draft on draft time, Mello. Let's jump right into it. Charlie Maliska says, you suddenly have enough money to purchase and run one NFL team, but it isn't your favorite team. Who are you choosing and why? So I think this one's easy, and I want to jump on it before you can. I raised my hand. <laughs> I'm not even going to pick my team. I, I could pick the Kansas City Chiefs. I want the Dallas Cowboys. I would make so much money if I were owning the Dallas Cowboys. That They're worth over a billion dollars. That stadium alone. The Browns are worth over a billion dollars. I mean, Cowboys the, the are stadium worth like... <laughs> alone is over a billion dollars. So, I mean, I think that is the most expensive sports yeah, franchise is. that there is. I so I'm going to take the Cowboys. Be. I hate you. I was ready to jump so hard. I think the answer is obvious. It's the Cowboys. If I can't take the Cowboys, I will take. My heart wants to say the Packers, but from a financial standpoint, I want the Rams. You're in LA. I was thinking maybe the Raiders, even. I don't want to live in Vegas. I don't either. I'm about to do eight days in Vegas. Yeah, maybe wait. we'll see how see long I, I can't even do eight hours at Arrowhead and they're going to let me do eight days at Vegas. This is I think be the great. only problem with like the Rams and the Chargers is those are not established fan bases. And we've seen it go south so quickly in that market before Vegas. I I really think it's going to work. I think the Raiders are the perfect team for it. I changed yeah. my answer. Go for it. Seattle Seahawks. I, I love Seattle. And that is a very, it's a great fan base. It's a good team. It's a profitable market. You own the Pacific Northwest. You have no competition in Oregon, Montana, Wyoming, anywhere. Yeah, I think you also have to mention the Titans because they, last I checked, played in Nashville. And this is a pretty good group of quarterbacks that we have coming up. And I honestly think they are a quarterback away. I am not sold on Mariota. I agree. I think Vrabel's. Great. I like Vrabel a lot. I like what they're building with that defense. They've made that offense work somehow, and they don't have a lot of good pieces. They've missed on some receivers. Uh, I'm still not sold on Derrick Henry, and they're still putting up good points. They, they have a good offensive line. I guess that's how they're doing it. Uh, so I would probably go with the Titans. They'd be up there on mine. Justin Myers wants us to rank our top five safeties of all time. I keep hearing all this love for Ed Reed is the best safety. Don't get me wrong. He's amazing. This is still Justin, not me. But I'm very biased about Dawkins, Brian Dawkins, and his numbers speak for themselves. So I jotted down my top five. I have, I'm 36 years old recently. Happy birthday in case you didn't tell me. And so I've been watching football closely since about 1991. Like, I can remember a lot of football for that amount of time. So, a good amount of time. Here are my top five. I'll go five to one. Number five for me would be Brian Dawkins. Number four, Steve Atwater. Criminally underrated, Steve Atwater. Number three, 
Troy Polamalu. Number two, Ronnie Lott, who I missed some of his glory days. He was drafted in 82, 81 or 82. So I missed some of that. But, I mean, I had NFL films growing up. So, you know, like we could go back and watch that shit. Number one, and it's like number one with a bullet, is Ed Reed. I agree with your order uh, to a T, actually. You look at Ed Reed, and I know that we've talked about him a lot. Dude had 64 interceptions. The Ravens put out a video of these are all Ed Reed's interceptions. It was over 10 minutes long. Right? And just to give you a little reference of how much that is, Troy Polamalu, who we've also been talking about, had 32 interceptions. And very different players. They were very different players, but that just kind of gives you reference of how many interceptions this guy was getting. So you have the exact same order as me? I do. Exact same. So I would say that Ed Reed is the best free safety, if you want to, like, even mm-hmm. if you want to break it down. But I would still say, and I would probably say Polamalu is the best strong. Ed Reed led the league in interceptions. Three different times at safety. At safety, that is. N- Did not he lead easy in return do. yards twice? Okay, because he was so good with the ball in his hands. He was. He had like two interceptions of over a hundred and five yards. I'm going to go back to this point. If Bill Belichick says you're the best safety he's ever coached against, you're the best safety. Yeah, it's uh, that easy. Palomalu was great too. He fit the role of what the Steelers needed and how they used yeah. him. He did struggle a little bit with some concussions and staying healthy there for a little bit, if I remember. Uh, in interceptions, it was not something that they even really, I think, wanted him to do. He was great at forcing fumbles, causing turnovers, t- tackling for loss, everything. Yeah. Very good safety. We're spoiled that we got to watch those two guys at the same time. Ronnie Lott. Uh, that's more of an NFL films type guy. I don't remember ever watching him play. He also he had 63 interceptions. He started as a corner. He had 10 interceptions in 1986. Was he he was still playing corner then, right? That was his second year at safety. Okay. So yeah. but pretty damn impressive. Yeah, in that day and age when people didn't throw the ball mm-hmm. 50 times. And and he did everything. I will give him credit for that too. Yeah. He played the run and the pass. Uh, he's kind of that hybrid between guys like Palomalo and Ed Reed. Brian Dawkins, I really like Brian Dawkins. Yeah, same. And his numbers are really good. But I, here's, the, here's the deal. We are both old enough to have lived through Brian Dawkins' entire career, really. And he's a Hall of Famer, as he mm-hmm. should be. I never thought he was the best safety in the game. Yeah, and it's because the two guys that we just mentioned. But even from like 96 when he was drafted until those guys came in. I, it was never like who's the best safety in football. Ah, it's Brian Dawkins. Like I, I probably wouldn't have said that at that time. Yeah, and I do agree that he's up there, obviously, in our talk of top five. But that's just kind of where I stand on those top five safeties. Yeah, it's. I mean, when it it gets that positional, like it's you know it can be a little tough. But... And safety's hard because guys can be completely different. Like you're really not judging apples to apples there. It'd be like judging a tight end versus receiver, yeah. saying, "Well, they're both pass catchers, but you're used different differently." So that's kind of what you run into with safeties. Joe Mallory, uh, if you could go back to college, which Power Five school would you love to attend? So we're gonna not go Texas. with the obvious and say we're not, not gonna choose Texas. Yeah. Uh, for me, it would be Georgia. I th- I don't remember when I was talking to you about my love for Georgia, yeah. but they've always been a team that I've rooted for. I think it was on this podcast. If it wasn't, sorry. But I've always know. rooted for them, and they've just always been a team that I've liked. The high school we went to, they were the Bulldogs, the Georgia Bulldogs, so it was kind of easy to just go buy Georgia stuff because everyone was the Bulldogs. And now what they're doing, it, it'd be hard not to pick them. So growing up, I would have told you the University of Michigan. Our mom is from Michigan. Her brothers were all Michigan fans. We spent a lot of time with them as kids. So until I was old enough to make my own decisions, I was a Michigan fan. 
I think that answer has changed a lot by now. So it, it would be hard for me like to pick anywhere but Texas, but I would pick Texas Tech. Oh, what a... I love their uniforms. I love the red and black. It is so clean. It looks, my mouth. it looks good. The Red Raiders, like that's a cool fucking name. Yeah, it's now a living old town. in Lubbock. Yeah, well, there suck. you go. <laughs> but I big fish, small pond. I don't want to go to Athens and have to deal with all those guys and all their hair. I want to go somewhere. When I was nineteen, ah, skinny little fuck. I want to go somewhere and just have. What do the kids say? Just have that drip all over. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, think about my skinny. <laughs> There's no way in hell you'd ever catch me in Texas Tech. I will agree with you. They have some of the sickest uniforms in all of college football. They're good at basketball. The red and ba- black they're good at works. Football. They're pretty good at baseball. Under Armour did a very good thing I like for them. Under Armour more than Nike. Yeah, no way in hell I'm going to love it. It though. makes sense. Runner up for me would be Virginia Tech. I also like Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't know. How did you not say Clemson? I was going to. You just keep talking. And then you're like fucking Texas Tech. And I have to question whether or not we're actually blood relatives. We are. It's like I don't even know you anymore. Just just wait till just wait till we do that DNA test soon. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that sponsor has come through yet. We'll see if that makes the show. <laughs> All right. Last question. Thomas Berry. This one is from my girlfriend. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What like, up, Kate? Oh, she's real? I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh, her name's in there. Okay. There you go. Now this is from my girlfriend, Kate, who listens all the time. Hi, Kate. If you could be the owner of a current franchise in any sport, which one would you want to own? Or if you could own an expansion team, what sport and what city would you want it to be? So we kind of answered this before, but I liked this question because, number one, it was from a girl. Number two, it involved the Do other Do you think sports. it's actually from his girlfriend, Kate, or is this just No, a... I think this is a really clever way to get your question read, which okay. is, I appreciate the hustle. I do too. I think Kate needs to tweet at us. If she tweeted us the question, it definitely would have gotten read. Yeah, That's the trick, sure. boys. If you have a girlfriend, maybe a wife, and you want your question read on air, just have her tweet it to us. Yep, that'll do it. I mean, I don't want, I'm just, I'm going to call it like it is. So if I could own any franchise, any current franchise in any sport, I think you talked about those soccer teams earlier, maybe. and I would love to pretend like I know anything at all about a soccer team because I couldn't name one. You just said Manchester United. Yeah, I know them Arsenal? and Barcelona. That's it. I know that they also are worth a lot of money, so I would probably take one of them. If I'm going to have to take a sport that I actually know a little bit about, probably be the Yankees. That's another oh. team. Are you kidding me? The fucking pinstripes, oh. the tradition? I don't like the pinstripes. Oh, God, yeah. I would I definitely hate own the Yankees. Yankees. There's no way. I will take the you Red said Sox Texas then. Tech. I'll take the Red Sox. They at least have good uniforms. In a stadium that means something. It's not like, oh, you have all this history of a sport. Let's tear the fucker down and move to the Bronx. You've been to Fenway. You know it was a shithole. I've been to Yankee Stadium. Okay, I've seen people tweet pictures from Fenway, and they're sitting behind a fucking pole. But... I stood in a stadium that fucking Babe Ruth was in. Yeah, now you can go play in a park that Babe Ruth played in. <laughs> Ooh, it's not the same. I stood in the end zone where Dwight Clark caught the catch. That's yeah. different. Than, what are they doing with that now? It's a parking lot. <laughs> and it sucks. Like, and it sucks. I would, no. Man. Yeah, I'm taking the Yankees, maybe even the Lakers. I don't know if there's... Okay, my actual answer, because I this is a sport I care about, somewhere I want to live, is the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I actually really like hockey. I love Nashville. And I know you don't care about hockey. They are stacked for next year. Like That's great. They're going to be good. Is PK going to have a big year? No. He's, shut up. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a trigger for me. 
Oh, is he? Is he's he injured? Oh, he's not. A, he's a devil. Not even going to play there. Oh, darn the luck. Yep. All right, I'm going to strangle Mello. That's our show. Uh, We're going to be down one mic cord because it's going to be wrapped around his cold, dead body. Uh, But we will be back the whole trio Monday morning as we get into breaking down the preseason. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the games on Thursday night. Hopefully Connor enjoyed his vacation. We'll talk to you all real soon. Mm -hmm.